This is Offspin. And for each fund, I always get two options. One is growth and one is IDCW interim. What does that mean? Oh man, that used to be called the dividend option. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this IDC, so income distribution. Something, right? Oh my is God. Is it the same as the dividend? It is the same as the dividend. People thought that this mutual fund dividends are the same as stock dividends. The most common uh, misconception is that suppose I hold two stocks in my portfolio and these two stocks are giving dividends. They assume that the dividend plan will take those dividends and give it to us. That's not how it works. How does it work? Uh, so the dividends that are given in a stock, whether it is a growth plan or a dividend plan, they are always reinvested into the portfolio. In a dividend plan, if you choose the dividend plan, the fund manager will periodically sell some stocks, convert it into cash and declare a dividend from that cash. And once the dividend is declared, to the extent it of the dividend declared, the NAV will drop down. So if you look at the NAV of the IDCW, God, it's an awful, awful acronym. Uh, the NAV of that option will always be lower than that of the growth option because the, the gap, the difference has been paid out to the unit holders as dividends. And would you select one of the other? I mean, I've always just blindly selected the growth option. Uh... Growth always. The, the dividend option, uh, the dividends are taxed now as per slab. Earlier, the dividends used to be tax-free for equity funds. Uh, but now they are taxed as per slab. So it makes no sense to buy any kind of dividend plan for any kind of fund. This is that Offspin original you've all been waiting for. It's time for Let's Get Rich with Patu. Welcome back to Let's Get Rich with Patu. We ended last week's episode on a tantalizing note when Patu said, when we start looking at our investing decisions and we start targeting equity mutual funds, it's time to start forgetting about actively managed equity funds. But to what a loaded statement. Um, I know it's going to create a lot of uh, reactions and lots of comments, etc, etc. Uh, let's start off our discussion from that point on. Um, I know your main reason was less than 50% or perhaps 50% are outperforming um, you know, the benchmark uh, Nifty or the benchmark index funds. But now within those 50% that are performing well, is it worth investing in them? How does one select them? And what is that gain you're getting? See, the there are a couple of issues here. One is, so let's, within the active uh, space, actively managed equity fund space, there are funds like, large caps, large mid cap, mid cap, small caps. Um, they have been around for several years. Yes. Right. So many of them have a lot of history. But there are funds like uh, multi caps. And there are contra value focus. There are there are reasonably new categories. Mm -hmm. And there's not much of history to, you know, to test. But 
if you look at the established funds for fund categories and if you see this 50 percent uh, underperforming the benchmark there's not much of confidence in holding the newer funds i mean you're, you're just uh doing experiments with your money I, sure i why why do that it's i mean i think we should respect our money a lot more than not to experiment with it so so the point is you cannot pick future winners today if you insist that i will invest in an actively managed portfolio then you must be ready to go through several years of underperformance are you really prepared to do that i have done that and uh, i i hold a predominantly actively managed equity portfolio uh, equity mutual fund portfolio but that's an old portfolio i mean i can't suddenly switch to index funds it will just be another fund in my portfolio because my existing portfolio is quite large adding a new index fund is not going to make any big dent in my portfolio strategy it's going to you know create only clutter but what about moving everything then to index funds ah, why pay tax that's a significant amount of if i pay that much tax i will get a notice notice from the it department straight away <laughs> I mean, you uh, yeah. just because I like passive or the data says passive. You, you, I mean, you have to look at your own circumstances, right? Yeah. But at least for young earners, new mutual fund investors who have just started out investing, it makes absolutely no sense for them to make the kind of mistakes that I have done. Right. Because I I know for sure most of them will get jittery. But clearly, your old actively managed funds have done well and held you in good stead, Patu. That's luck. So. just luck huh? if you i can show you my portfolio maybe i track my there are been significant periods where the um, my portfolio overall portfolio has just fallen right on top of a nifty index so the hmm. outperformance i get is occasional and if anything it's luck hmm. there are two pieces of luck one is my luck in selecting that fund and the luck of the fund manager in outperforming the index and you can't distinguish between luck and skill in fund management whether it is individual portfolio or a because we have now we have there are studies which show that a monkey is throwing darts on a notice board and you create a portfolio of that is just as successful as humans i'm almost a little nervous now about asking you this next question about fund managers right and the entire universe of how fund managers work they are some of them are considered superstars some of you know people try and invest based on their names uh some have genuinely done well i mean i don't know if you should go into this category of naming them but what is your opinion about this entire community of fund managers because it's really highly paid individuals there are some extraordinarily intelligent and mature level headed people in the mutual fund industry at all levels fund management selling everything at all levels however you invest looking at a name what if that guy gets hit by a bus what if that guy or more probably happen patu i mean yeah. pa- parak parak mutual fund exactly i didn't want to name it but it's so sad yeah. but it's such a well performing fund hats off to them no right? i mean that, that happened to the promoter uh, exactly and uh, the there was a risk of the fund manager being jailed because of that and of course he was he was let off there was nothing there but that's a huge risk right it's it's a, it's a risk for the unit holder whatever it is the news is a yeah. risk for the unit holder but what is more probable 
is that anybody who is a star who is so good that he can manage so much why would he still be in the same company he will just give in the notice and start his own pms or start his own mutual fund company how often have we seen that happen hmm. and what will you do follow him i mean it is not practical amazing i never thought of it that way the that is the risk with the fund manager the, the problem i mean it's not about see and these are human beings they can get it wrong eventually somebody is going to get it wrong you the, nobody whether it's virat kohli or no sachin tendulkar whoever they're not going to perform all the time it's just not possible just when you think oh he's done well first ball duck hmm. that's how it will be i mean so this is the risk that you want to avoid move from your life exactly yeah. and this is a risk you can control yeah so you want to um, uh, i mean that I means it's uh, the point is you cannot when you cannot consistently beat the market and you don't know when you are going to beat the market and why try hmm. the 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 problem with, i think we have talked about this before young people have this notion that they can replace their low income and build wealth with returns that's not going to happen it may happen occasionally it's not going to happen on a sustained manner the so it's better to keep things as simple as possible and spend our time or health on something more productive so i would say no to all actively managed mutual funds at least for young earners so uh, in the previous episode we talked about three categories in the equity universe yes the actively managed fund space which we have now rejected then there are factor indices and index funds yes if you look at the factor indices momentum low volatility alpha etc 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 now i used to be very gung ho about it but there is a finance professional who for many obvious reasons did not want to be named and he cautioned me by writing an article in free fincal saying that there's a lot of data mining that is involved in creating these factor indices and uh, so that means that they kind of cherry pick the formula they cherry pick the number of stocks that has to be put in the basket so that if you look at the back test oh it looks fantastic but if you put it in into create a product and put it out there in the real world we don't know how it's going to perform hmm. and the prime an extraordinary example i've just written about it is the case of the quality factor in the mid cap universe there is a index called nifty mid cap 150 quality 50 so 50 stocks based on the quality definition i forget the definition we look at it the quality definition 50 stocks chosen from the mid cap 150 universe so these are your quality stocks in your portfolio that's when you when you say it like that it sounds like that but if i take the returns or compare the evolution of for the last 12 years for the first 10 years in the journey the quality index has outperformed the base index that is the nifty mid cap 150 right so nifty mid cap 150 is your base index from that you are picking 50 stocks and creating a quality index so the quality index has outperformed for the first 10 years over the last okay. 12 years but all those gains has been erased in the 
next two years. And we have only 12 year data. No, no, we have data since 2000, only from April 2005. Right. Uh, but uh, if you look at the last 12 year data, 10 year outperformance is brilliant. Hmm. But all of it gone within the next two years. So but that could probably just be explained as sequence of returns risk, right, in a sense. Precisely. So we should understand hmm. that the factor index product for which we are paying more than a normal yeah. index can outperform. There are higher risks and those risks are not seen in a backtest. The backtest will always be rosy. And this finance expert, I'm, I'm going to call him anti-factor expert just to. <laughs> he gave me some, he, uh, you know, taught me something even more interesting. He said, there is a phase difference between what is hot in the West and what is hot in India. A what difference? Sorry, phase. Phase difference, meaning time difference. Right. So, um, factor indices were the next best thing in the West, maybe five years ago, seven years ago. Then people have understood that these it's not as rosy as it seems uh, after a few years. Once the West has understood that some an idea is not as rosy as it seems, that is when people in India are pushing that idea. That's the time lag. Mm -hmm. or a phase difference. Time, that's the time lag, I should say. You understand? So, the, by the time we appreciate that there are risks involved, etc, etc, the West would have moved on to something else. Yeah. How and do we re reduce this phase? I think every time we see a new, new idea, we should go back and see what people are doing in the West. Mm. To some extent, we can be saved. Mm. You can uh, Google fact, failure of factor in uh, investing and there will be a lot of articles on that so again so the i mean so i'm not knocks out factor funds uh, rationally knocks out factor of course people will say i believe in it i i like personally low volatility investing because i know for sure i get a low volatile portfolio i'm guaranteed of that so i like it but it may not outperform the market at all times but i i like it but again people like an idea only because it outperforms the moment it starts underperforming, they move on to the next one. Absolutely. That's not how you should hold up uh, a portfolio, but this is how people behave. So I would suggest stay away from active managed funds, stay away from factor funds, stick to the normal index funds. And even within the normal index funds, a nifty or a sensex index fund is all that you need. That is all. Just buy those, any one of those two. Uh, Nifty or Sensex and you have a mm. 5 or 10 products to choose from. So from 800 products in the equity space alone, you you now have 10 products, which is not, not bad for a filter. And within the index funds, any particular one without naming, of course, brands, but I'm saying Nifty 50, Nifty, you know. No, the, pro the problem again here, again, the problem is risk. The, the same as the fund manager. Today, a fund will look like, oh, look, I have got the cheapest fund. That is, why is a product cheap? Because the AMC wants market, uh, you know, what do you call it? Share, sorry. They want market share. Absolutely. Once the AUM increases, acquisition. once they have acquired enough assets, they will jack it up. Hmm. They will jack, but they will say, oh, no, no, it is still less than other guys. So hmm. there is this uh, asterisk comic 
called Asterix and the Mansion of the Gods. I'm not sure if people read comics anymore these days, but slightly older people will read it. And uh, so this is a Gaulish village, a French village on the coast, on the French coast. Caesar has given up trying to occupy this village. He has occupied okay. all of France except this village. So he says, let us Romanize them. Let us uh, take a land in the forest, cut off all the trees, build a mansion, like a set of flats and ask the Romans to go and stay there. So these Romans, they uh, first day they go to the village and buy fish. So mm-hmm. the, uh, then they realize, oh my God, the, they, uh, they say it loud that the fish prices are so cheap. The next day, the fishmonger has increased the prices. Yeah. And that is what, how the mutual fund industry behaves. That is how the health industry, insurance industry, that's how all industries behave. The moment you see something is cheap, it is you must see it as a trap or not a trap, at least a ploy to get you With some caution. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I would say nothing's going to. Um, I mean, no idea, no fund house, no fund manager stays on top. Everything is cyclic. On that note, though, I think it's a good time, Patu, to ask in a very basic sense for a newcomer to understand how do mutual funds make money. They primarily make the money from the expense ratio. That so, if the, I put uh, 100 rupees and buy a few units and um, from that 100 rupees, they take a certain amount and in fact, invest only slightly, say 99, for example, right? Is that the expense ratio? So, there are two ways of doing this. One is every day before the NAV is declared, the fund deducts the total expense ratio. Mm-hmm. In a direct plan, the total ex- expense ratio will only be the costs of running the fund. That is, they have to pay people like uh, the registrar and transfer agents like Carvi, uh, you know, CAMS. They have to pay them for maintaining records. They have to pay money to the trustees, etc. They, salaries? Ser- server costs, salaries, fund manager costs, etc. Mm-hmm. And so on. Then and is the, all this public knowledge, how much it yes, is? Yes, yes, okay. yes. You can see it in the annual report. Everything will be uh, declared once a year in the annual report. So, uh, all that is part of the total expense ratio in a direct plan. In a regular plan, the total expense ratio will also include the commissions to be paid out to individuals. So, that will have a higher expense ratio. So, this total expense ratio will be removed from the net asset value before it is declared. So, the NAV that you see is after expenses. Okay. But... The first amount of money I put into it, it's not the entire amount that is invested in the units is what I'm trying to say, right? They take some money off it? No, they they take it they take it from the market value. So the NAV, they will invest right? it. And the NAV, NAV has that cost uh, ah, in it. So they will invest that 100 rupees, but then that, there'll be a market value. From that market value, every day it's deducted before it's right. deducted. So typically, what are the expense ratios for these passively managed index funds? They've, they've kept on increasing somewhere. I would say the range is 1% to 0. 0. 0.4, 0.5%, something of that order. Okay. And for a actively managed fund, how high does it go? For a direct plan, 1, 1. 1.5, 1. 1.8% approximately. I've, that's the kind of things I've seen. I've not paid too much attention to this, uh, but yeah, this kind of thing. It's not okay. something to break our head about. I mean, uh, young earners or even experts or older investors should appreciate that this is a variable. 
if something it's a variable not in our control so why break our head too much about it so right and is it the right time to ask about taxation for mutual funds or is that so vast a topic that we should kind of shelve it for now but basics perhaps if you can tease us with how does tax yeah affect so, our in- investments um again it's i think it's a ind- independent uh, episode on uh, so on but the s- simple basic and this is at the time of making this content because every year this thing changes sure. can't go back and uh so for uh now the rules say that if a fund holds up to 35% equity mm-hmm. from 0% equity to 35% equity when you redeem the capital gains will be taxed as per slab fair enough simple right if a fund holds equity 65% or more you're talking about the equity funds yeah oh no the taxation equity is our guiding point for taxation right. i'm talking about equity alone now mm. so from 0% equity to 35% equity whenever you redeem the capital gains will be taxed as per slab and never before re- redemption never before redemption for any fund then on the other end so 0 to 35 is one end so on the other end 65% to 100% when you redeem if the capital gains are less than 1 lakh or up to 1 lakh in a financial year it is tax free mm okay above that you have to pay tax at 10% for the excess amount above 1 lakh you have to pay tax at x uh, 4 uh, at 10% and 4% on the tax for assets okay makes sense yeah so this is when uh i'm talking about the long term capital gains so which means that when i the 10% i said and the 1 lakh tax free amount is for a unit which is older than 1 year i'm pulling Got out it. after yeah. long terms let's not uh, complicate too much into short term so the now you have a gap, space between this 35 and 65 so any fund that holds equity less than 65% but higher than 35% if you redeem after 3 years okay the capital gain will be taxed at 25 so at 20% at 20% with the ss 4% ss so let me say it again any fund that holds less than 65% equity but greater than 35% equity if you redeem those units after 3 years of holding you have to pay tax at the rate of 20% with ses but you can also use the cost inflation index and reduce your capital gain we have to like property ex- yeah like property we can we have to explain this in in a detailed manner but this is a basic rule if the unit is less than 3 years then you have to pay as per tax as per slab got it okay i was going to ask why this 3 year that is the broad thing i have not covered all the rules there are some nuances i think we should do it in a separate uh, fine so. fine anyway uh n- now i have another question for you patu right we've spoken a lot about how the basic decision on selecting a mutual fund is usually made on how it's done so far and we've spoken so many times about how that's not dependable you just cannot predict the future 
right? So that's my question now on NFOs. You have so many NFOs coming up regularly. Have you ever invested in NFO and what advice would you give for new fund offerings? See, NFO is not a problem. Again, the problem is us. Now, mutual funds say there are two parts to the disclaimer. One, they say subject to market risks. And they also say past performance is not indicative of future performance. If you go by that logic, I have two funds. I have A and B. A is a fund which is 25 years old. B is an NFO. Both of them have the same style, etc., etc., same category. And which should I choose? Now, the point is, people are people will say, if you ask this question, people will say, always buy A, always buy the established performer. Hmm. The argument is past performance disclaimer yeah. is there. It's literally 50-50. From any given point of time, you don't know what is going to happen in future. The, the, that's a wrong answer to a question to ask, I would say. You should not ask A or B. You should ask is there any space in my portfolio for A or B? Does including this new fund or an old fund, whatever fund, make sense to me? See, I have I had inclu- invested in the Parak Parik uh, Flexi Cap Fund when it was an NFO. Because at that time, um, I have been investing since it was uh, since that time. At that time, I did not have a mid-cap-ish kind of value-oriented fund in my portfolio. Understood. So I happily took it. Which year was this roughly? 10, 13 or 14, I would say. Okay. May 13, if I'm not wrong. 2013, if I'm not wrong. Oh yeah, I think so. Yes. And I also invested in the UTI low volatility index fund because I'm a fan of low volatility. In spite of our anti-factor index guy cautioning me, um, I, I like low volatility a lot and I just said, uh, well, let's see what happens. I mean, mm. you, you the point is that people buy NFOs for wrong reasons. They look at the flyer and they are being told that this has got such a new idea that it will, you know, get you something new. Or there are still people who buy NFOs because the NAV is low. Yeah. The NAV is at 10 rupees or 1000 rupees doesn't matter because it, it is the change the in the NAV yeah. that's going to cost, give you the return. Whether it is 1000 or 10,000 doesn't matter what the NAV is. So if you buy it for the wrong reasons, then an NFO is bad. But if you, if you can justify to yourself that I need this product because there's a space for me in my portfolio. I mean, not for you, not you. In the, your portfolio should have space. You will have space to buy all the clutter in the world. That is not what I'm saying. There should be a rational, you know, uh, decision that, that has to be made about an NFO. Otherwise, it's fine. Two questions to continue this NFO discussion. One is, was there something more than a gap in your portfolio requirement that made you go towards Parak Parik? Uh, firstly. And secondly, I remember very vividly you telling me AUM matters, right? You always select a fund which has considerable amount of AUM. NFOs, there is no AUM under discussion. So, does that make any difference to a decision? AUM, see, in my, okay, let me tell you my case. Uh, the reason why I chose Parak Parik is uh, someone I respect a lot in personal finance space. Again, some all these smart people don't want to be named. I cannot Fair name enough. him. Fair uh, enough. You can create a name for him like you did. <laughs> no, I can't even. I, it's hard to. Uh, so, uh, he had talked highly about what this fund can do. And I respected his this, uh, his opinion. And I just blindly accepted it. I said, fine, I need I need such a fund. 
this fund looks good let's buy it and see what happens by that time i had i had already gone through 5 years of no returns mm. right i had gone through that experience so what how how much hurt could it do to me that's the kind of uh, question i started asking it was a it was a bravado thing that's why i said it's luck nobody yeah. could have predicted that parakpari will do well and there are many people who claim that parakpari has done well because of its foreign holdings there's that argument that is fine uh, but the way i see it i am not a big fan of holding a separate international equity fund because i have to worry about it i have to pay tax on it that in with, if i hold parakpari they hold 10% 20% 20% whatever allowed and i get that much exposure because parakpari is almost 57% weight in my uh, equity portfolio so i get some marginal uh, you know exposure so that's how i looked at it but you you asked a question i forgot um, about the aum part patu yeah the aum i don't think uh, for actively managed fund small aums are a problem actively managed fund small aums are not a problem interesting no, not a, not really a big problem in fact for in the case of small cap or momentum based funds small aums are welcome because they are happy to you know uh, un- you know that's why i tell people who invest in small cap funds just keep an eye out whenever the uh, amc says i'm going to shut down for fresh investments that's probably some time for you to remove some money out of the small cap because that means the market has heated up and, and mm. so you have to keep an eye on this so it's for small cap yes small aums are small aums are actively managed is not a big problem from what i have seen for the passive funds small aums can be a big problem small i'm small aum means having 5 crore 10 crore in the fund 500 crore is fine mm. compared to so what is small is a very Uh, exactly. subjective thing compared to a 5000 crore fund 500 crore is still fine you can still manage but 5 crore or 10 crore you are in trouble because a big 50 lakh trade can result in huge uh, tracking errors i have noticed that in passive funds they have actually out they ended up outperforming the index because of the small aum so it, i mean it's okay to grow with a fund as long as it's an actively managed fund i would say it's okay even if it is a nifty or a sensex fund small aums are fine as long as it is large cap centric hmm. small aums are okay if i buy a small cap index fund with a small aum that can be trouble because if the market tanks tomorrow and there's a lot of selling in the small cap universe that fund is going to uh, find difficulty tracking the index so that comment you made on international investing patu is sticking with me um we do you recommend investing in say for example a motilal oswal uh, whatever it's called right and that invests in the us stock markets um what is your opinion on the investing in the us stock markets and how does one diversify out of india through mutual funds i have a question see the, if you look at the nasdaq 100 that fund was underwater for 13 years or i think 16 years after 1999 or 2000 after the dot com crisis that fund never recovered to its previous peak it took almost 16 years for it to recover if after you start investing and the fund is always negative will you and you means the general audience will you still say oh i am holding this international equity for diversification 
in diversification matters that's when the volatility in my portfolio will be low will you keep saying that or will you quietly stop investing exit most people who say i want international diversification only want us diversification they mm. cannot handle what is happening in the european markets or the hang sang and so on they only and it's not just they they only want the five tech companies what what do they fang. call the yeah. fang yeah and how do you know uh, whether this fang is always going to keep making money already they've st- uh, there's gone through you know a downturn after the covid because they they assume uh, this happens all the time once they see some growth because of some event and that event was the lockdown and people using uh, products at home yeah. the zoom and zoom calls etc etc at home they assumed that will be the growth rate forever and they started hiring a lot of people and what happens then you lay off people hmm. and we have seen that happen in all uh, fang companies now so so everything is cyclic so we must understand that uh, this international equity is they, they will go through a bad patch and will you be loyal to your diversification ideals during those bad patch i will bet my net worth nobody will be hmm. because the only reason they have investing in this because they see something shiny it's the shiny object syndrome they see the nasdaq they see it's shiny therefore they want a piece of that they want a, that's how, that i mean it makes no sense to me. because you have to maintain your portfolio people will say i have they'll proudly announce i have 15% exposure to nasdaq 100 i have 10% exposure to gold that is the exposure today after one year that exposure will change what will you do then mm-hmm. will you reset it do you have the guts to buy and sell and pay the tax and reset it most people don't they will just leave it alone hmm. so if they don't want to manage their portfolios they just want shiny objects and they will give these fancy terms like diversification i mean nobody knows i i i even asked this question everybody understands what diversification means but nobody or practically nobody knows how to evaluate diversification in a current portfolio or how to evaluate it every year and i think it's really not possible to evaluate it because most of the time it's clutter and even if you are going to evaluate it it's not much you are going to do about it right so i would say if you are interested so much in international equity buy a fund like parak parik that has got foreign equity at no additional tax for you exactly and therefore you make the money of course it should be a big chunk in your portfolio to have that exposure so it's fine to stay within india's borders for now if for now 100- yes, yes 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 amazing uh, i see we've hit a 32 minute mark but to uh, i just have questions pouring in from my own mind I- I- imagine what the listeners and viewers are thinking right now uh, quick questions what's an open ended fund and what's a closed ended fund so an open ended fund is something where you can buy and sell units on every business day a closed ended fund is one after the nfo period is over it will not take in any more fresh subscriptions you cannot buy uh, into the fund and if you want to sell the fund you will have to do it via a trading account and typically it is not possible unless you uh, for example we make a deal that i will sell uh, set this up in the dmat account you buy it that kind of personal it's almost like an off market deal but it has to be done on market but so there's no liquidity in, in, for such things so you basically can't sell practically speak so you can only sell when the fund is 
has closed its, uh, I mean, ended its maturity period and then it's kind of open to uh, sale. And have you invested in any close-ended funds? Do you no. recommend anyone They're not do necessary. It? They're not necessary at all. There are some interesting um, closed-ended funds in the sense that they will, um, they have a maturity date. They have the, something called target maturity funds in the debt space. We can talk about that uh, when we do that. But they may be useful in certain circumstances, but I don't have hold any of the closed-ended funds. I have one quick question, which, um, you know, I do a quick search on the platform I invest through, right? And I search for anything. I search for, uh, see, I search for equity right now, right? And for each fund, I always get two options. One is growth and one is IDCW interim. What does that mean? Oh, man, that used to be called the dividend option. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this IDC, so income distribution something right oh my is God. it the same as the dividend it is the same as the dividend people thought that this mutual fund dividends are the same as stock dividends the most common uh, misconception is that suppose i hold two stocks in my portfolio and these two stocks are giving dividends they assume that the dividend plan will take those dividends and give it to us hmm. that's not how it works that, how does it work uh, so the dividends that are given in a stock whether it is a growth plan or a dividend plan, they are always reinvested into the portfolio. Got it. In a dividend plan, if you choose the dividend plan, the fund manager will periodically sell some stocks, convert it into cash and declare a dividend from that cash. And once the dividend is declared, to the extent it of the dividend declared, the NAV will drop down. So, if you look at the NAV of the IDCW, God, it's an awful, awful acronym. Uh, the NAV of that option will always be lower than that of the growth option. Because the, the gap, the difference has been paid out to the unit holders as dividends. And would you select one of the other? I mean, I've always just blindly selected the growth option. Uh... Growth always. The, the dividend option, uh, the dividends are taxed now as per slab. Earlier, the dividends used to be tax-free for equity funds. Uh, but now they are ta taxed as per slab. So it makes no sense to buy any kind of dividend plan for any kind of fund. Why do they even exist? I mean, is there a, it's a market for them? It's a relic. It's, there's a market, uh, at least among retirees, who uh, blindly buy or are being sold this balance, so-called balanced advantage funds with the annual uh, monthly dividend options. So assume there's this income source for them. It's not really an income source. It is somebody taking money from the market, uh, the current market value and giving it back to you, which you can do yourself if you want. Right. What is SWP and STP? So the systematic withdrawal is the opposite of the SIP. So where you have a, let's say one crore corpus and you withdraw ev every month 10,000 from it, every month, mm -hmm. every week, even every day, whatever frequency you set or allowed. So that is a withdrawal. Though the STP is basically a marketing ploy. I would say SAP and SWPs are also marketing ploys, but the STP in particular is a marketing ploy because let's say I have one crore to invest and I am saying I want to invest that in equity markets, but I'm scared. So mm. I want to uh, invest that if uh, I want to uh, divide my one crore into 
10 chunks or 20 chunks and invest every month and over a year, maybe over one and a half years, whatever time period and do that. Now, the AMC says, if, okay, over one year, one and a half years, if you invest, I know that you will not be loyal to me. You can invest that money in any other fund, right? Or you can put it in FDs if you, instead of that, I will come up with a product, say, you take that one crore and put it in a liquid fund. Okay. In my company, in my product liquid fund. So they just say have the money with them. Ah, yeah. now the AUM is locked. Then you can set up a systematic transfer from the liquid fund into the equity fund. So every month or every week, some money will go into the. Then they say, oh, it will help you, uh, you know, uh, average out volatility, etc. But what they are basically trying to do is lock in the business. That's all. Got it. And why did you have that comment for SWP's systematic withdrawal plan? Uh, as it's not. Uh, it's not necessary, right? I mean, it's and also see what what happens is that SWPs are a dangerous product. Suppose I set up an SWP from an equity fund or a balanced mm -hmm. advantage fund or an aggressive hybrid fund. If the market is falling, your NAV will drop. Mm -hmm. Your SWP will have, will be a fixed amount. So for the your NAV will drop. So for the Fine. same amount, you will be drawing more and more units. Yeah, you will erode your capital more if you set up an SWP in a volatile equity fund. So you should only set up SWPs from liquid funds or money market funds or arbitrage funds and so on. So nice. be careful. Patu, this could continue forever, right? Uh, urging all our listeners and viewers to please send in your questions, your uh, life situations, your case studies, your particular fund questions, etc, etc, for Patu and me to answer. Mutual funds is going to be a evergreen topic I think there's so much to talk about we'll also dedicate an entire episode or two on to debt because I clearly don't know enough and I want to know enough because I really need to take rebalancing seriously etc etc for now Patu as always uh, I'm, I'm forced to stop this discussion because of time but thanks so much and I'll see you next week thank you bye bye you just heard let's get rich with Patu an offspin original isn't it the coolest show you've heard in the Indian podcasting space? And even if it isn't, what's the point of getting rich alone, right? Share this show with those you care about and perhaps even with those you don't care about. But make sure you share this show with only those who you don't mind being richer than you. The music on this show was created by Patu's biggest fan, Rajesh Ravi. And everyone on the Offspin team had some part or the other to play on the show. Let me name them quickly. Harshdeen Nisrani, Krishant Das, Sandeep Banerjee, Arif Chagla, Anand Krishnan, Rajesh Ravi and Heer Khan. Heer, by the way, is also to be blamed for giving Pat to his gangster look, which is how he looks on a daily basis. Um, and me, Siddhant, your host. Let's Get Rich is available on all audio platforms wherever you consume your podcasts. So spread the word and we'll see you next week. You know we do this show only to help you guys, right? But if you're listening and you're that one person who has perhaps lost money and are holding it against Patu or me for making you lose that money, then not only are you a mean person, but you also need to listen to this legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any financial advice. Views expressed are not official positions of financial institutions or Patu or mine for that matter. Although we strongly believe in them, listen to this disclaimer even more carefully. 
We recommend consulting a qualified professional before making decisions. We disclaim liability for inaccuracies or losses from using this information in our show. By listening, you agree that the host, guests, and producers are not only awesome people, but they are not responsible for your financial decisions or outcomes. This is Offspring.